Friends, brothers and sisters and everyone in this... <laughs> Friends, brothers and sisters and everyone interested in this ancient text called the Bible, you have found the dumb Christian. I am your host, Jonathan, and today we are going through the epilogue of John's gospel where he gives us some insight into how Jesus wants to handle sin, how Jesus wants us to handle sin now that he's already resolved it on a divine level. He's paid the price. So now what do we do with sin? Jesus encounters Peter and not too long ago, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. And so, yeah, we're going to have to wrestle with that. As we are finishing up, wrapping up the book of John, let me know what you like. Leave a comment, send us a message. What would you like to explore next? Uh, topics, stories, or the next book that you would like us to go through, let us know and uh, we will get into the Bible. It will become very real. We will become very colorful. Buckle up and welcome to Dumb Christian. Jesus is alive. Uh, and the disciples are, are elated. They've had two encounters with him thus far. But for some reason, Jesus is on a mission to go appear to the other people that he had relationships with, friends, family, distant relatives. Uh, he needs to run some errands, not really sure. But for whatever reason, Jesus is coming and going, appearing to the disciples and, and doing a number of things before in Acts, he ascends to heaven and it says that he'll come back but before that moment he's going around appearing to people and he's appeared to the to the disciples twice and they're kind of sitting around waiting like okay sweet jesus is alive now what do we do do we just sit around and wait for him to come back or do we just get on with our lives and get back to normalcy but It'll never be, you know, what it used to be. Normal will never be what it used to be. Now everything has changed, not just because Jesus came, taught us some incredible things, but he literally died and arose from the dead. Now, what do we do with our jobs, with our relationships, with our aspirations, our hopes and our dreams? And Peter says, well, in the meantime, while we're trying to figure that out, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to work in a brand new way. And some of the other disciples say, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's, let's get back to some rhythms and some routines and, and let's figure out how to do life in this brand new way. And so John tells us at the beginning of chapter 21, that it was Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John, and then two other randos. He, he doesn't name the last two disciples. He just says, and there were two others with them. Okay, so either he forgot or I remember there are two more guys, but I can't remember their names. They all go fishing all night. And we've heard this story before. They don't catch anything. Okay, well, where they used to get frustrated and kick and curse and, you know, uh, they're finding new rhythms, how to deal with the disappointments and frustrations that life brings. Morning approaches and an orange light illuminates the shoreline and they see just some guy walking along the shoreline and he calls out, you guys catch anything? As you do for fishermen, right? <laughs> you come up within shouting distance of a fisherman. You have to ask if they've caught anything. And b by the way, 
As always, read it for yourself. But for this chapter in particular, I really like listening to David Cochran Heath read the English Standard Version on the YouVersion app. So download the Bible app YouVersion, the ESV translation, and then push play and listen to David Cochran Heath. Every once in a while when he reads, um, he kind of like adds some weird animation to his voice. And uh, in this chapter in particular, I really enjoy the way he reads it. Anyway, you guys catch any fish? And they respond, no. And so he, the guy on the shoreline yells back, why don't you try throwing your net on the other side of the boat? And working with water, fishermen know that sometimes, depending on the way that the light is hitting the water, you need to be at a different angle to see what's going on underneath the surface. So maybe this guy has like an angle that's just right. He can see underneath the surface maybe he sees something they can't see so they're like all right why not so they throw the net over the other side of the boat and instantly it's filled with fish so much fish the net starts to break john realizes wait there's something eerily familiar about this oh shit it's jesus and he looks over at peter it's jesus it's jesus peter snaps freaks out grabs his jacket he took off his jacket he was getting hot been working all night so he grabs his jacket jumps into the water and swims to the shoreline shoreline like a cartoon and he gets there and he leaves he abandons his friends who are like struggling to bring in this massive net full of fish by themselves peter gets to the shoreline first sure enough it's jesus they're hanging out while the rest of the crew is trying to like bring in the catch to the shore get bring the boat to shore and the rest of the disciples get to the shore where they find Jesus and Peter cooking fish and bread for breakfast. Mmm, fish for breakfast. Does that make anybody else hungry just thinking about that? Yeah. So they sit down and, and Jesus is like, well, we're going to need some more fish. So Peter's like, well, I'll get the fish. You know, I didn't help bring it in, but I'll surely, you know, enjoy the fruits of the labor. So he goes, runs, grabs some fish. I'm helping. Throws them on the fire and they all just kind of like sit down catch up. Jesus, what have you been up to? Well, I've been traveling around. What have you guys been up to? Um, happy to see you guys are back at it. Keep it up, guys. And they eat breakfast together. There are a few arguments that some people make to try and suggest that Jesus either didn't actually die Um he did die, but they found they, they didn't, the disciples couldn't remember where he was buried. So they went to the wrong tomb. And then some people say like, oh, the, the, what they saw wasn't actually Jesus's resurrected body. It was either a ghost or like a mass hallucination. And so John actually identifies and addresses a couple of those issues in the way that he writes. The first one is the argument, Jesus never died. Well, if we go back to John chapter 19, this is where John says, no, 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 I was there. I watched him get stabbed in the heart. I watched the life leave his body. I was standing at his cross when he died. I can verify he died for sure. Later in that chapter, he identifies the tomb where Jesus was buried. And he's like, look, it was a wealthy guy who donated the tomb. It was a nice tomb. Everyone was there when Jesus got buried. We knew where the tomb was. And we made references to those 
pieces of information when we did John chapter 19. We said that's going to be important for later. So it's finally coming full circle here because um, when they meet Jesus and they've had these, they've seen Jesus, the argument is, oh, it was just a ghost or a mass hallucination. But here John is identifying the fact that no, Jesus is eating breakfast with the guys Ghosts and hallucinations don't eat, but they are putting fish and bread on the stone in the middle of the fire to cook it. It's being cooked. They're all eating, including Jesus in his resurrected body. This is the picture that John is trying to paint for us, the readers. After breakfast, conversation kind of dies down and they're just enjoying the sunrise. Jesus pulls Peter aside and he says, come here, man, come here. Let me ask you something, Peter. Yeah, Jesus, what's up? Do you love me more than anyone else? And this question kind of catches Peter off guard at first because he's like, oh, where is this coming from? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, of course, you know I do. You know I love you more than anyone. You are everything to me. I can't imagine life without you. And Jesus says, word, feed my sheep, bro. Peter's like, yeah, I can do that. I will definitely, I, Jesus, I will feed your sheep. I can do that. He's kind of handing off the baton. Peter's like, yes. And Jesus says, let me ask you something else. Do you love me more than anyone else? And then Peter's caught off guard a second time because he's like, wait, didn't we just have this exact conversation? Yeah, Jesus, I love you. Of course I love you. You know that I love you. And then Jesus says, bet, take care of my flocks. Okay, yeah, I will definitely do that. And then Peter's like, well, that was weird. And then Jesus says, one last thing before we get back together with the boys. Uh, Do you love me more than anyone else? And now Peter's starting to get discouraged. Wait, does he think I don't love him? Oh, shit. I did deny him. Maybe that's what he's referring to. And he says, Jesus, I I promise. I love you more than life itself. And Jesus says, all right, all right. Then shepherd my sheep and be a good shepherd. And there's this kind of weird thing that happens for Peter. Like, why... What's happening here? Jesus is creating space for Peter to walk through the fact that he had denied Jesus. That in a moment of weakness and fear, he chose what he thought was best for him, which was self-preservation. Let's not get caught up in the drama. Uh, So he denied Jesus, even though that's not what God ultimately wanted for him. So Jesus is creating a space for Peter to walk through and address reconcile and and experience some restoration, addressing a very specific event, sin in his life. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, what Jesus is telling us is 
throughout his, his gospel, and we see later out in the rest of the New Testament, that Jesus actually resolved the sin issue on a divine level. So the way that sin affects our relationship with God, Jesus took care of that. He was the solution to that problem. However, there are still ramifications and consequences to our actions in this life on this plane. There are effects of sin. It can cause hurt, right? It can cause brokenness. It can cause damage in relationships. It can cause damage to the way that we see others or the way that others see us. But it can also cause damage to our effectiveness in kingdom work if we are holding on to sin. Whether or not it's a sin that we just persist in and we continue to practice or if it's a sin that we is stuck in our heart in our consciousness in in our you know our regrets we hold on to bitterness whatever and here Jesus is creating that space to say on a god level sin has been resolved but we still need to figure out how to press into and res- create restoration and reconcile in brokenness that sin causes here on this side of eternity. Jesus asks Peter three times to identify, hey, we're going to restore and create reconciliation for each of the three times that Peter denied knowing Jesus. And the thing is that I think is really important for us to glean out of this picture, out of this event here, this encounter with Jesus and Peter, is that when we own up to walking through the brokenness that maybe we caused ourselves or that someone else caused to us and we want to try and reconcile that, um, it's not easy. Peter didn't take the initiative to try and reconcile. Jesus needed to initiate that. And what I think is really interesting about that is that Jesus appeared to Peter two times before this, and it wasn't until this third experience that Peter has with Jesus where he finally is encountered, like, you know, challenged with, hey, let's address this and let's reconcile this because Jesus has perfect timing. Right. And and so it's not that he wanted to neglect it. He wanted to ignore it or just sweep it under the rug. But that in Jesus timing, he speaks into Peter's life and addresses something so that they can have restoration, reconciliation. And so that Peter is not burdened down by the weight of this regret and bitterness as he sets on mission to shepherd the flock to be a disciple maker, to start telling other people about Jesus. Now to no longer deny Jesus, but proclaim him boldly. There's part of this healing that needs to take place on the physical level, in the body. And Jesus says, okay, good. Now that we got that sorted, I'm going to let you know a little secret. You are going to be killed for your faith. You will be martyred because you believe in me. Peter's like, I don't know actually how Peter responds. The way he responds is he's like, well, what about John? And I don't know if he's like a little nervous and anxious, like, oh, heck, this is not what I was hoping for. I'm going to die. Remember, Peter's been a little bit uh, afraid to be bold and stand up for what he believes in. 
So maybe right now he's like, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to process this. Or he's maybe he, he's got a little like courage, like, okay, all right, I can do that. I can totally stand on believing in Jesus. I know that I slipped up before, but I am going to do it well this time. And he looks at Jesus and whichever, and, and maybe it's some of the third option that I haven't even thought of, but however he's responding, whatever he's feeling inside, his knee jerk reaction is to ask Jesus, well, what about him? And he points, John tells us, Peter pointed to the disciple that Jesus loved, the disciple who was leaning up against Jesus during the Last Supper, who asked Jesus, who's going to betray you? And so John, at this point, goes back and clarifies all the time that he referred to in his writing, the disciple that Jesus loved. That's the person who's writing this book, me, John, the author, I'm the one that Jesus loved. So this is where we actually get the reference to all those other uh, instances where John refers to himself in the third person as the one that Jesus loved. That's where we make that connection. Well, what's going to happen to John? Is he going to die for you? (laughs) And then Jesus responds, and I love Jesus' response. He says, if I wanted John to stay alive until I came back, What's that to you? What what does that matter to your mission, to what I want for you, to what I want you to do? What I want for you and what I want for John should not matter in the mission that I have for either of you. What I want you to do is worry about yourself. And 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 let me Create the mission. Let me lead each person in the way that I want to lead them. And John actually writes that this spurred some rumors that among the disciples that they started like saying, oh, John's never going to die before. John won't die before Jesus comes back. And John's like, look, that's just a rumor. That's not what Jesus said. He just said, what if? But, you know, I, I think it's fun to imagine that the, the the Apostle John is still traversing the earth, experiencing all the wonder that we have. What a time to be alive, <laughs> right? And that's how John ends the whole book and the epilogue. And he, he adds this nice little, like, it's a very Lord of the Rings, Tolkien-esque. And he says, Jesus did many other things many other miracles, and if all the things that he had done were written, all the books in the world couldn't contain everything Jesus did. And that's it. He signs off. And it's just like this really beautiful end to the story of Jesus. If we go to the book of Acts, we see how people started to live their lives in response to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But this is the end of the story of what Jesus came to accomplish as the Son of God. And that's it. That's John chapter 21. That's the whole gospel, the whole book of John. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, what's next? What do you guys want to do next? 
Let me know, leave a comment, send me a message, and be sure to check out TagCast, which just launched last Friday. We got a new episode coming out this Friday. And uh, it's uh, one of my friends from our home church, Janae, and she and I go through some biblical issues, world issues, social issues, and we try to look at it through truth and grace. Yeah, that's it. I love you guys, and uh, we'll catch you later. A beautiful epilogue and conclusion to John's gospel. I love the way John writes. It's really, really, it's a great story. Be sure, like I said, to read it for yourself. Check us out on YouTube, Dumb Christian Podcast. We have some exclusive content up there. Subscribe, ring the bell for new content so you get a a heads up when we're dropping something new. And we'll catch you guys in the next one. Love you guys. Bye.